praying about and planning this series uh, with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I felt like Jesus asked me to ask Celeste Hayden, uh, Hayden to, share with, uh, to share with us this morning. Some of you know Celeste, you've been in one of her classes. She's taught uh, in women's ministry. A couple of months ago, she helped me talk uh, about Rahab, if you remember that message uh, when we were doing a, a previous series last fall. Uh, she's a wonderful teacher great heart. Come on up, Celeste, and teach us the word this morning. Good morning. I knew it was going to be a fun day when my daughter and I left the house and we're heading down our hill, and this cat crosses the road, and it has two tails. Seriously, two tails, two big, fluffy, curly tails. And with that in mind, maybe I better pray before I get started here. <laughs> uh, Father, we do need you, and without you, we can do nothing, and I just ask for your Holy Spirit, God, just to anoint our time as we talk and share together here this morning. May you be glorified, Jesus. Amen. Uh, when Pastor Scott asked me to share on prayer, uh, I remembered something my now adult son said uh, many years ago. He's in grad school right now, he's 22, and I have a, a daughter, Michaela, down here who's a senior in high school. But when Chad was about three years old, he came to me and he said, uh, Mommy, is Jesus' last name Amen? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, you know, because you always pray in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> uh, see, one thing about prayer is God doesn't care that much about our fancy words or that we say all the right things. He's not interested in religiosity. Um, he's interested in our hearts. And, and that's, that's what I want to talk about today. As Christians, we can get intimidated by prayer, um, Sometimes there's a lot of a guilt associated with it because we feel like we don't do it enough. Uh, we can also um, just feel like we're inadequate when we're praying with people, like we, we don't have the right words to say. And then even sometimes when we decide, okay, I'm going to do this, and you sit down to pray, you kind of get ADD going a little bit, right? You, all these things pop into your mind of things you got to do or the kids start bothering you. And this morning as we talk about prayer, I just want to throw all that guilt and inadequacy out the window. And I just want to talk about what I feel is on God's heart this morning, is that prayer is a relationship with him. And that's what he wants more than anything else, is a, for us to have a deeper relationship with him. And in order to do that, um, I, God kind of gave me three different pictures that we see throughout scripture, and I wanted to relate those to prayer. Um, and the first picture that I wanted to talk about is the father-child relationship. Our prayer life is a relationship of a child with their parent, and we're constantly relying on the one who provides everything. Not all of us are, are perfect parents like, uh, like our father is. Uh, I was reading in Reader's Digest about this mother who wrote in about her sleep-deprived husband. She wrote, It had been a sleepless few weeks and the baby started crying. I nudged my weary, worn-out husband because it was his turn. You ladies can relate to that, right? I watched as he got out of bed a little awkward and started toward the bassinet near the foot of our bed. He stopped short of the crib and instead grabbed the cat off the bed. 
He walked toward the closet, then he opened the closet and threw the cat in harder than I'd like to admit. <laughs> then he got back in bed and went to sleep. I have never asked for help with a baby in the middle of the night again. <laughs> Unlike us, God doesn't get sleep deprived. <laughs> and he is available 24 hours a day. Jesus makes more than 150 references uh, to God as his father in the New Testament. And he, he created a, a, an atmosphere in the New Testament that was more intimate than they were used to in the Old Testament. He went even as far as, as calling uh, Jesus, I mean, calling God his father Abba or Daddy. I was looking at all the different recorded prayers of Jesus in the New Testament. And um, in every one he calls uh, God, his father, he always starts out, my father, my father who is in heaven, except for the one case on the cross where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think that was the only reason he didn't there is because he felt that distance, that sin upon him. And, and Jesus is our example. If, if, if he addresses God as his father, we, we should too. Um, I wanted to show you a picture that I saw uh, it's a picture of JFK and John Jr. You know, the president's considered the most powerful man in, in uh, the United States. And I thought it was cute, you know, how the president allows his son in there just to play under the desk in his oval office. But what I wanted to relate it to is our father who is in heaven because he is far more powerful than any president. He is Lord and creator of the universe. And sometimes when I pray, I like to visualize just bursting into his throne room. Because he does have a throne room. If you look in Isaiah or Revelation, you get these little glimpses of these magnificent scenes in heaven of God on this throne. And we, his little inadequate children, are allowed to burst in there at any time, any time we want, and get his attention and ask for his help. Uh, the first verse I want to look at is in Matthew 11:25 through 26. And it says, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. Jesus is seeking after you. God is seeking after you. He, he's not seeking after some spiritually elite person. He's pursuing us to be in a close relationship with him. He wants to reveal himself to you and to me. And we don't have to be anything special. We start out as babies entering the kingdom of God. When, uh, if you remember when um, Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a governing body of is Israel. He was involved in the governing body. And he, uh, he was uh, you know, considered one of the religious elite. And yet he comes to Jesus and the first thing he says to him is, truly, truly, I say to you in John 3, 3, I, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we start out as babies and we continue on in our relationship as maturing children. Uh, one of the names of God in the Old Testament is El Shaddai and it means all-sufficient one. Whether we realize it or not, everything that we need, everything that we have comes from God. I mean, even the air we breathe comes from the Lord. 
as, uh, as babies, we are completely dependent on our mothers, especially nursing mothers. I mean, for, uh, for everything that they need is, is provided for by that mother. And the same is true in our relationship with God. Uh, in, in Matthew 18, the disciples are asking Jesus, now who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And some of you here in church, you look at other people in the church and you think they are the greatest. But you know, when Jesus, uh, what Jesus said to his disciples, he didn't go and pick the follower of his that seemed the most ardent and the most religious. He didn't bring one of his disciples and set him in the middle because that's what they wanted. They wanted to all feel good about themselves. He brought a little child and he set him in their midst. Then in Matthew 18, 4, he says, whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. For you see, it is our humility and our dependency on God that creates greatness. It's not about us. It's all about him. I wanted to look at Matthew 6, 9 through 11. And this is um, the start of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is just an example prayer that Jesus gives his disciples to pray. And it starts out in this way, Matthew 6, 9. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. How simple. It's, it's not this deeply verbose, profoundly religious prayer. It's a simple prayer of coming to God, acknowledging who he is, and asking for the basic needs of the day. And that's one of the things I want to note here. He's asking for his basic needs to be met, but he's also doing it on a daily basis. Ask for your daily bread. God wants to hear from us daily. And, uh, I mean, as parents, we all love it when our, parent, when our kids come to us uh, with they want wisdom, they want to hang out with us and talk with us, and not just the $20 they need to go to the dance or something, right? And the same is true as our Father. He wants us to come with him with more than just our basic needs. I mentioned that I have a son, Chad. He's in grad school. He graduated last year from a Christian college, got a degree in computer science, and he had a really good experience. Um, he had a, a really good social life, did well academically. Um, it, was a, it was a very positive experience, and I'm very thankful to God for that. But he decided to go to grad school this year, and it's kind of been the opposite side of the coin for him. He is attending uh, UCSD, University of California, San Diego, and a very secular school, and he has no uh, spiritual support there at the school. And he often feels... Um, overwhelmed. It's very difficult school. He's got a long commute. He's living with his grandma, has to commute into school. It's just hard. But yet he, uh, when he was in uh, undergraduate school, he would faithfully call me every Sunday afternoon and we would catch up. You guys who have kids, don't you appreciate it when your kids call you once a week and catch up on everything that's going on? Yeah. But now that he's going through more difficult things, he's calling me about every other day, sometimes every day, and he, he wants my encouragement and support and wisdom, and we pray together, and I, as a mom, I'm just loving it. I, I eat it up. Do I want my kid to go through these difficulties? No, but I still love the fact that it's bonding us together more, and the same is true of us and our Father. I know some of you are going through some difficulties, and just, it's okay it's okay that you just run to him because you're in trouble and you really need him. God loves you and he wants to hear you and he wants to help you through whatever it is you're going through. 
Pastor Chad uh, mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 and how it had impacted his life. And it, it's a verse that many of you guys know. And I, I'm going to look at it right now. It says, um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, sometimes I have come regularly to God with my problems, but I have the problem sometimes of still holding on to them. What God wants is for us when we come to him to, to be able to visualize who he is, that he's omnipotent, that he's all loving, that he is in control, that he has good plans for us. And sometimes I get stuck just rehearsing and going around in my mind over and over again my problems. And uh, many years ago, I was, I was reading this verse and I was anxious about something and I, and I prayed for it. And I'm like, God, why am I not getting that peace that surpasses understanding? I'm praying about this thing. You need to give me that peace. And, and I got this sense that, Celeste, you uh, need to do my exchange program here. <laughs> You need to give me that thing, and then I will give you my peace. If you keep holding on to everything and rehearsing it over and over and over again, there's no room for that peace that surpasses understanding. And so it, it, it's a partnership in, in releasing things at the feet of the Lord. And sometimes it takes practice to keep doing this over and over again, and God understands that. And I think it's so important to be real, to be very real with God. Don't, don't be religious. Pretend like things are all right when they're not. Be open and be real. And, and David is such a very good example of that in the Psalms, of just being really real with God, but yet he always comes back around and holds on to that quality or characteristic of God that he needs in that situation. Um, I want to look at Psalm 131, uh, verses 1 through 3. And the psalmist here writes, David writes, O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. He's the king of Israel. He's undeniably probably one of the greatest kings, if not the greatest king of Israel. And yet he considers himself humble. He considers himself unable to deal with high matters. That is the heart of a wise person. He says, surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. See, in our prayer life, I want to be like that nursing child that has all the warm fuzzies, you know, being held and cuddled and all my little needs met all the time. I whimper and cry and my diaper's changed, right? <laughs> but a wean child is a little different. A wean child doesn't get everything they want. A wean child has to sit and rest against his, his or her mother and learn not to have all their needs immediately gratified. And that is what David is saying about himself. I have learned to be a weaned child with God. I have learned to trust him even though I don't always understand why everything's not answered the way I want or things aren't going the way I want. I have learned to rest against him and trust him. 
And, and we know ourselves as parents, we do not give our kids everything they want. I mean, if they did, what would they be doing? They'd be eating ice cream all the time, right? And, and playing video games endlessly and not doing their homework. And uh, if we let them do whatever they wanted, if we gratified all their needs, they would not grow and mature into the people that we would want them to be. And the same is true of us with God. We don't get everything we want. And even though we don't understand it, and we may think it's good, God is a good, good father like that song, that song says. I love that song. He's a good, good father, and we can rest against him and trust him. God's heart today is that no matter where you're at in your relationship with him, he wants to open up those big, mighty doors of his throne room and have you come in and talk to him and be his child and lay all your cares and troubles at his feet. He doesn't want you to see prayer as a box that you just check off, but he wants to see it as an entering into a relationship with his father. I want to build, though, on the relationship picture, and I want to talk about another relationship, and that is the marriage relationship. And we see this, uh, this relationship as well pictured throughout Scripture, both Old and New Testament. We see Israel often represented as the wife of God, and how, uh, in the, in, especially in like the minor prophets, you see, and the major prophets too, you see uh, a lot of pain in God's heart because he's been spurned by his wife, Israel. Um, and in the New Testament, we see another picture of marriage. I wanted to read Ephesians 5, 31 through 32. It says, uh, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. As a culture, we epitomize uh, the love relationship between a man and a woman. Um, we hold it up as what's going to really bring, you know, complete fulfillment in our life. And love has sold millions of dollars worth of products, and it's made many blockbuster movies and everything. And, and we are programmed to crave unconditional love. I mean, God kind of made us that way. And God did make the institution of marriage to meet a lot of those needs, you know, for joy and strength and companionship and passion and unconditional love. But because we are both two selfish people, um, the marriage relationship often takes a lot of work. And, and I don't know today if you um, have never been married. Uh, maybe you've been married and divorced, or marriage has not ended up being exactly what you have dreamed it could be or wanted it to be, or maybe you've even been in a happy marriage. But what this verse is telling us is that marriage is just a dim, dim picture of the complete love and ultimate unity that we have with Christ. And I just want you to know, no matter where you've been in your relationships, you haven't missed out on anything because really it's only going to be fulfilled ultimately in our relationship with Christ. Um, in our Bible study group before Christmas, we had um, a... Uh, party, a Christmas party, and uh, we always play games usually, so um, I decided to play the newlywed game. My husband was out of town, and I got to be Bob Eubanks. <laughs> you guys remember the show, right? <laughs> we had a great time. It was fun. I wanted to do something that would build, um, build relationship, build marriage, get us to, you know, know each other better, laugh a little bit more, and um, I got to ask some great questions like, uh, where was your first kiss? 
And if your husband had a superpower, what would he choose? <laughs> but I also ended up showing a clip from the show, the newlywed show, and I wanted to show you that this morning. Um, so if uh, you guys could... Husbands say he is uh, basically more urban or rural, Kathy. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> well, you know it. Uh, I mean, you married him. What do you think? Uh, uh, heck, he's urban. He's urban. Yeah. How long has he been that way? About two months. Two months he's been. <laughs> Do you, you think there's anything he can do about it? He went to a doctor. Oh, he did? <laughs> did did the, the doctor give him anything for his urban? He gave me something. <laughs> say he well, is uh, yeah. basically more <laughs> I like to have a little fun in church <laughs> so I saw this interview of Bob Eubanks and he actually said this was his favorite all-time favorite contestant on the show and I have to give the lady credit she did a really good job of kind of playing up her brain freeze and, and I would probably be the same way to be honest if I was on national TV <laughs> but what I want us to realize is we are all the clueless bride. We are all the clueless bride of Christ. He is perfect. And God doesn't care about our IQ. He doesn't care if we're 20 pounds overweight, how old we are, if we have wrinkles or sags or make mistakes on national TV. He doesn't care about all that stuff. We are the bride of Christ, and he loves us completely and totally. That verse that we just saw, um, it's a great mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. The love relationship between a man and a woman is, is a great mystery that is representing our relationship and ultimate unity with Christ. And I just, I love mysteries. I don't know if you guys like mysteries. I like watching mystery shows. So it just kind of intrigues me. Uh, there's, there's two mysteries that I noticed, great mysteries in the New Testament. One, it has something to do with Christ coming down in the flesh, God becoming man. And that's obviously a great mystery, how that works. Uh, but the other great mystery is this, that we are the bride of Christ. And to me, part of that mystery is why. <laughs> why would he choose me? He had a perfect relationship with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. Why would he want to mess it up with us, right? <laughs> but he does. He desires a deeper relationship with us. And why do you think the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all our heart and soul and mind? Why is that the greatest command? Because that is how God loves us. And he wants us to reciprocate that. And the key to building any good relationship is always what? Communication. If you are not open and honest and communicating regularly with that person you're building a relationship with, you don't go very deep. You don't go very close. And that's what God wants with us, and that's what our prayer life represents. I was reading tips for improving the quality of communication in your relationship online, and the first one that popped up was be intentional about spending time together talking. 
The average couple spends only 20 minutes a week talking with each other. I'm sure this means like seriously talking, not just take out the trash. <laughs> so it says, turn off the technology and make it a point to spend 20 to 30 minutes a day catching up with each other. And I thought this was great advice for any relationship that you're working on, but it's also really great advice for our relationship with Christ, our relationship with God. It's just the busyness, and I'm in the same boat as you. Don't think I'm up here because I'm super spiritual, because I am not. We're all in the same boat. The busyness of life can rob us from the most meaningful relationship that we can have, and that is with Christ. I wanted to share a verse that reminds me of that. It's Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. If you haven't been on a date in a while with your spouse, it's really important to do that. It's really important to get away from everything and just sit and share each other's heart, not talk about the kids or the problems, but just sit together. And, and that's what Jesus is asking of me and of you. And the thing is, he's, he's always there. We don't have to adapt our schedule to him. He adapts his schedule to us. He's always available and waiting to hear from us to communicate with us through his word, through his Holy Spirit. I try to set aside time every morning to spend with God. Um, but because he is divine and I am human, I mean, I can't say that every morning it's always like deeply spiritually moving. But yet there are those times, um, just like in a marriage, where y you feel and know that love and that unity. And the same is true of our relationship with Christ. There are those moments, if you take the time, where you know that peace that surpasses understanding. You know that peace. But there's other times, just like in a marriage relationship, where you have to remember, it just takes love and commitment. You, you do it because you love that person and you're committed. And that's often the way it is in our relationship with God. There are those moments where it's very deep and meaningful, and there's all those moments where we just kind of have to work at it. The psalmist in Psalm 42 is yearning for God. He feels dry. He says his soul thirsts for God. And we know from the New Testament that Jesus is that living water that satisfies that thirst. In Psalm 42, 7, it says, Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. Today is a day of pictures. God loves to use pictures because they speak louder than words. And to me, this picture of deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls speaks louder than words. I grew up in eastern Washington on a wheat ranch. <clears throat> and uh, a few miles from there, there's this beautiful waterfall. It's called Palouse Falls. Uh, it's out in the middle of nowhere. And it's about 200 feet high, so it's a little scarier than it looks. And there's no guardrails or anything because it's out, you know, where hardly anybody ever goes. And as a young adult, I would go there and I would go swimming behind the falls. And it was pretty exciting because, you know, multiple people have died there and fallen off the cliff and all this. So, you know, how young adults are. <laughs> but if you got too close to the falls, you could hear the roar of that water going over the cliff and falling down into the depths of the pool below. And you could feel the pull of that current if you got too close to the falls while you were swimming. You could feel it pulling you towards the edge, right? 
Well, that's what the the psalmist is talking about here. He says, I want to be that waterfall that's pulled recklessly over the cliff and into the depths of the Lord, into the depths of God. I want to know what that means. I want to experience that. Deep calls to deep at the sound of his waterfalls. But when I read it, what I thought was, I'm, I'm not really deep. Often I feel like a water drop and God is an ocean. But I still know that I want to be pulled into the depths of that ocean. I want to know the deepness of God. Even though I'm a superficial person, I want to know his deepness. How do we do that? Prayer is an opportunity for us to enter into the deepness of God just by sitting and enjoying him, enjoying his creation or his sunset, by worshiping him, by thanking him, meditating on him and his word. One of the things, though, that keeps us from entering into that, entering into the deepness of God, is the fact that we know that we constantly fall short of being the person that he wants us to be. And and we do this in a marriage relationship, right? Because we're talking about marriage here as well. In a marriage relationship, we're human, we're selfish, we're going to offend our spouse at times. We're going to say things that hurt their feelings, we're not going to do something we're supposed to be doing, or we fail to do something that, or we do something we aren't supposed to be doing. But anyway, we offend our spouse. And if you want to have a good relationship with your spouse, what is another rule? You go to them and you apologize. Yeah. You have to learn humility and to say you're sorry. Because, well, I mean, in marriages exist and thrive that don't, but they're not deep. Because a wall goes up. A wall goes up. In order to tear that wall down, you have to say, you know what? I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. And I really do want you to know that I do love you. And I do want to do and say things that build you up and encourage you. And this is the same is true of us in our relationship with God. Let's, let's look at Matthew 6.12. This is a part of the Lord's Prayer again. In, this, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus reminds us to regularly ask for forgiveness. He says, and forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven those who have sinned against us. A good relationship with God means we keep short accounts with him. And let's be real. If you're struggling with something, and we all go through periods we are, he is so quick and so easy to forgive. Do not let the enemy trick you and fool you into thinking that you're going to be safer and you're going to feel better about yourself by keeping that dark thing closed up in your life. Real joy, real peace, real harmony comes by opening your heart and letting him in. Even if you have to do it 490 times, like, like Jesus said to Peter, it doesn't matter. Just keep coming to him and asking for forgiveness and restoring that relationship. Um, over Christmas, uh, right before Christmas, uh, my daughter's been wanting a cat. And we have never had a pet in our family uh, during my married life. So we started visiting the animal shelter about nine months ago, and we were looking for the perfect cat, of course, right? I wanted the perfect one. <laughs> and so uh, we uh, ended up settling on this uh, one-year-old cat, big green eyes, calico, and her, her name is Olive. There she is. Oh, yeah, she's a sweetie. She likes to be like held like a little baby, and you know, you rub her little tummy and her little paws do this. She's just such a sweetheart. 
Well, so one day, right before Christmas, um, I'm putting these freshly beautiful wrapped packages under the Christmas tree, and what do I discover? A little pile of poop behind the tree. <laughs> so much for my perfect cat. <laughs> we had a little talking to, <clears throat> and then Michaela, she had to clean up the poop. <laughs> and by evening, she was purring on my lap again, a sweet little kitty. I just want you to remember that with God. We all poop behind the Christmas tree sometimes. <laughs> we just do. <laughs> but don't forget to go to Jesus and let him clean it up and get things right so that you can purr on his lap again by evening. Revelation 19, 6 through 7, I, I, I know that we don't know the fruition of this unity with Christ, but someday we will, and I'm so looking forward to it, and we get little pictures of it in Revelation. And I wanted to close this section with this verse. Revelation 19, 6 through 7 gives us a glimpse of our unity with Christ. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. You guys all probably know this. One of the characteristics of young love is that they're on the phone all the time. They can't stop talking to each other. And I know that from my son. He's had several serious girlfriends, and it, it can drive you a little crazy, can it? <laughs> but there's this magnetic draw to know that person that you love inside and out. And I just want you to know that's how Jesus feels about you. He already knows you inside and out, but he wants you to be drawn to know him inside and out. And that is the picture of our prayer life in the marriage relationship. I wanted to look at one last picture, uh, and that is picture three, which is the vine and the branches, which is about abiding in Christ. The 21 days of prayer, its focus is on fruitfulness, and this picture focuses on the fruitfulness in our life. And to um, talk about that, let's look at John 15, four through five, and seven through eight. John 15, four through five, and verses seven and eight. It says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in, abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And one of the things, this is kind of a growing the three pictures. It, we're getting our needs met in the Lord, and then we're growing deeper in the Lord, and now we're looking outward, and we're focusing on bearing fruit for the Lord. And we cannot get the pictures mixed up. We cannot strive to be an active, fruitful Christian without first connecting to that relationship, to Jesus, because it says that without him we can do nothing. And so we get dry and burned out, and, first, and John 15 talks about that. You get dry and burned out if you try and bear much fruit without abiding first in Jesus. That abiding is forged through prayer, communication, and just staying connected to him. Ultimate maturity in Christ means that we become like him. And in order to become like him, we have to stay connected. 
And when we are connected to him, we can become his hands and his feet and his heart. And that is what fruitfulness is. It's just becoming like Jesus. And prayer helps us to connect with that heart of God. Prayer is about asking his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need to be doing this on a daily basis, just coming and asking that Jesus would flow through us. Abiding means that we are asking for his heart for others, that the people around us, we're, we're looking at our family and our friends and even our world, and we're asking Jesus, what is your heart towards those things? How can I be praying for those things? Is there someone that needs healing, someone that needs encouragement? Do I need to step out of my comfort zone and share the gospel with somebody? That's what abiding means. I am trying to listen throughout my day to the Holy Spirit and to allow him to flow through me. Do any of us do this perfectly? Absolutely not. It's a growing process. And I've pictured myself often as a lamp. Um, and sometimes I get plugged into the wrong socket. And I know I get plugged into the wrong socket because of either I'm anxious or irritated or overwhelmed and uh, life is just driving me crazy. And all of a sudden I realize I've kind of gone off into my flesh. I've gone off. I'm focusing on all these things that are not really that important and I'm letting them overwhelm me. And so I, I've often actually visualized myself doing this, unplugging like a lamp, ugh, and replugging into God. And we all have to do this. We are all body, soul, and spirit, and there's times where we just get out of sync with God, and we have to replug into him. One day, I was uh, purchasing something in Ross, and I was waiting in line there. This was before TJ Maxx. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was waiting in line, and I was watching this middle-aged cashier there. It was a man. I'd never seen him there before, and he was, in my opinion, like a light bulb. He was friendly and outgoing, and he was asking everybody how they were doing, and um, I noticed one of the customers asked him, well, how are you doing? And he said, I still remember this, he said, I am amazingly favored and exceedingly blessed. I am amazingly favored and exceedingly blessed. And he wasn't just saying that, he was showing that by his actions and by his attitude. I wanted to be in his line, <laughs> but unfortunately, I did not. <laughs> I ended up at a different cashier. So uh, about a week later, I'm walking down Main Street, and I'm, uh, I'm supposed to be dropping something off for a friend. So I had driven round and around, and I couldn't find any parking, so I parked about two blocks away from this store, and then I hiked in to drop this off for a friend who was out of town. And I get to the store, and the store is closed. And I'm like, small town. I mean, <laughs> they don't keep business hours. <laughs> and I was kind of irritated, and I'm thinking in my head, okay, I've got to drive across town, and I've got to do this and this and this. And I was looking in the windows as I was walking, and all of a sudden this voice says, how are you doing? And I turn, and it's that man. And now this man doesn't know me from anybody. But it, it was just like the Holy Spirit is saying to me, Celeste, how are you doing? Are you plugged into me? And I know this man will never know ever the impact that he had on my life just by his actions and his attitude. Um, but it really did influence me. And, and I want to be that person 
who bears fruit, who is that light. And I want to be that person that regularly unplugs from all the crazy things going on in my life and is able to plug into Jesus and to shine for him. Fruit is not generally for the tree. It is always usually for uh, people outside of the tree. Fruit serves to bless others. It provides strength and sustenance. The, the seeds in a fruit, you know, reproduce things. We all want to be a branch that bears fruit. Um, one of the ways we can do that is just modeling our dependency on God with others. I, I can't solve other people's problems, but I can pray with them, and I can point them to the one person who can uh, meet their needs, solve their problems, point them in the right direction. And I try to model dependency on God with my children. So we, we tend to pray pretty much about everything. My son will call me up, and we'll get done talking about everything, and then we'll just pray about everything. So he called me up <clears throat> before Christmas, and he'd just gotten into a fender bender. <clears throat> and uh, unfortunately, this was his second fender bender in about a month. <laughs> Poor guy. <clears throat> so he... He's been stressed uh, about everything. He actually had two oral surgeries last quarter, so he was on a liquid diet all through Thanksgiving and into Christmas, and it's just been a stressful year for him. So he was in this parking lot in San Diego, really tight, if you know San Diego, really tight parking lot, packed for Christmas shopping. He sees, he's parked, he sees this lady drive by, and he doesn't realize that she's backing up again. So as he's pulling out, he hits her. And it's a foreign lady, and she asks him to call her husband. And so he calls her husband, and the husband's pretty upset. And they work everything out. And then afterwards, he calls me. And poor Chad, he'd, he'd gone Christmas shopping to unwind and to have a little fun. And now the enemy had him exactly where he wanted him. He was anxious and overwhelmed again. <clears throat> so what does a mother do? We just prayed. What, what else can you do? And it was not five minutes after we prayed that Chad got a call back from the man and said, you know what, dent's not a big deal. Just, just forget about it. I'm not going to do anything about it. And I know this dent is just a small thing, but it, it was a little Christmas present to Chad <clears throat> that God was watching out for him and taking care of him. And the bigger picture is that I want to teach my children to depend on God in absolutely everything. The big things and the little things. Um, as we start the new year, I know a lot of you guys are making New Year's resolutions about diet and exercise, and all that stuff is really, really good. Uh, we need to be healthy. But I wanted to look at, uh, I want to close with this verse, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. It says, Rather train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, but I just encourage you to make entering into God's present presence a priority in your life. And you will find that, that you are strengthened and that your life has more meaning entering into that relationship than if you, if you pursued all these other things in life. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with diet and exercise and all that, but don't leave out the most important, the eternal parts of us investing in our relationship with God, especially through prayer. And that's what this season right now is about in the last 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. I hope all of us, um, no matter where you're at, whether you, know, you don't pray at all hardly 
or whether you're a regular prayer warrior, that, that we can all be drawn into a, a little bit of a deeper and closer walk with the Lord. Let me, I just want to pray in closing here. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your great love. I just pray that you would meet each person where they're at and draw them into a, a deeper relationship with you. I thank you that you want us. I thank you that you desire us. I thank you that you want to spend eternity with us and help us to start that deep relationship here in this temporal world, Lord, so that it will just continue on into eternity. And, and I just pray that we would leave here, Jesus, just touched by you. And I just praise you and thank you. Without you, Jesus, we can do nothing. Amen. Amen. Can we thank Celeste for teaching us so well today? Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand here this morning. Well, that made me want to pray. I don't know about you. That was such a rich message. Jesus, thank you for that. We're going to invite prayer partners to come up and be available. Uh, we're going to be available to pray for you before you go if you'd like prayer this morning. I want to thank you so much for coming. And uh, I'm hoping you're enjoying this little season of, of focusing on uh, prayer. So, uh, Celeste, thank you for teaching us. It was so rich, so good, uh, so appreciated. Jesus, as we leave here, um, wow. Lord, you've called us to a relationship as Father. Lord, this marriage relationship as the, as the bride of Christ. And Lord, this, this idea of fruit, Lord, fruitfulness flowing through our life. Lord, they're just that's such rich pictures. Thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray for each person that we'd leave here with a passion to pray. We love you. Uh, love one another. Pray in Jesus' name. God bless you as you go. Uh, tell your children's ministry person thank you as you pick up your kids. And uh, brothers, we'll see you tomorrow night. God bless.